Uh, that's fun to be a part of that. Uh, if you would, please bow with me for a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to come and to gather, uh, to celebrate an empty tomb, and to celebrate the life that is ours uh, through your son, Jesus. Lord, we give you thanks today. Uh, thank you so much for each and every person uh, who has come this morning. I know that uh, each and every person sitting in these seats has a story. And uh, Lord, I, I pray that their story would intersect with your story today, uh, that you would draw us to yourself, uh, that you would help us to see our great need and how you met that need in Jesus. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have a seat. If you are here this morning and you are a parent of a child birth through five years old and you would like to get rid of your child for uh, the next 45 minutes over to my left, uh, your right, there is some availability in our kids' cabin. Uh, if you're older than five years old and you still want to go to the kids' cabin, you know, that's on you. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Romans uh, chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. Uh, if you have a cell phone, an iPad, electronic device, go ahead and Google it. You can Google it. It's online. Uh, or you can pull out your phone, and if you have uh, the, the very cool uh, app, you can uh, look at a Bible app and bring up our church service. Uh, just look under events, Christ Point Church, uh, and you can follow along. I'm actually tempted to do that right now, but I'm, I shouldn't because I'm working. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, uh, was written by the Apostle Paul. He was a murderer turned missionary, and he writes to the church at Rome and says, For while we were still weak at the right time, uh, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation." When Paul writes to the church at Rome, he gives them some bad news, some good news, and some breaking news. And so this morning, I want to begin on this beautiful Easter Sunday, the day where the sun's out. I can tell because you're staring right at it. My apologies. I'm rather comfortable. I know, I know. It's a beautiful day, though. You can hear the birds chirping. You're surrounded by family and friends. There are pastel colors that paint the landscape. I personally look like I could be an ice cream scooper at Baskin Robbins. Uh, it, is, it is a good day. Uh, and yet, despite this very good day, I want to begin our time uh, together by pointing out uh, some bad news. Uh, the Bible does this. The Bible delivers bad news uh, to us, uh, to you, and to me. The Bible calls us some names. And the only thing worse than being called a name is when uh, you get called a name that is actually true and accurate about you. I don't know if you noticed or not, but Paul writes to the church and says to them, for while we were still weak. Uh, the Bible calls uh, you and me Week. Easter confession for you, if I may. Um, I am weak. 
I'm weak. Uh, I know that flies in the face of everything that we long for as a people. We love strength, right? We love strength. We want to be strong. We value the strong. We admire the strong. We choose strong. We long to be strong, right? And in a sense, God does make us strong, right? In the Old Testament, there's a passage where God is speaking to his servant Joshua. Moses had died, and he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. He said it three times for emphasis. Be strong. Be strong and courageous. He did not say be weak and timid. He said be strong and courageous. When the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, preparing them for a spiritual battle, he said be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul wrote to Timothy, his, uh, his disciple he was encouraging him in his pastoral role in ministry, and he said, be strengthened by the grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. Uh, so th there is a sense in the Bible where God wants to give strength uh, to his people, uh, to you and to me. And yet more and more, I am reminded that in the spiritual life, in the Christian life, weakness is the way. Apart from Jesus, we are spiritually weak. Uh, when Paul talks about weakness, he's not talking about physical weakness. Although, if you are on the wrong side of 25, 26, 27 years old, then you might readily admit that you're not as strong as you once were. A, a couple times a week, uh, I head to a local gym to work out. I don't typically like to advertise it, but I wanted to share with you this morning on Easter that a couple times a week I work out. Really, that's unnecessary, but continue your applause. Uh, I, there's a kid, and I say a kid, he's about 15 or 16 years old. He is an elite soccer player. He plays for a team in Charlotte. Uh, he's strong and he's fast. And I am not. And every time I see him and work out with him, I am reminded that he is strong and he is fast and I am not. Occasionally we'll be doing an exercise together and part of the workout will involve us running outside 100, 200 yards and turning around and coming back to the gym and continuing our workout. And occasionally, every once in a while, I do my exercises a little quicker than he does. I don't like to brag, but like I said, occasionally I do my exercises quicker than he does. And I will run outside. I'll take three, four, five steps and I'll look over my shoulder and I'll think to myself, that's right, I still got it. And right about the time when I think that, I hear the footsteps closing in on me. And I know without looking who it is. Man, and this young man flies by me. It is embarrassing. I can't tell you how many times I think to myself, James, just stick out your left foot, right? <laughs> Nobody will know it was an accident, right? They'll just assume that you had good intentions. Just stick out your left foot. I never do, but it's a reminder to me that I am not as strong as I once was. But Paul is not talking about physical weakness. He's not talking about emotional weakness, although we would admit that oftentimes when we get older, uh, we don't necessarily get emotionally stronger. Like we like to think that we do. We like to think that the older we get, the more we sort of have it figured out and we have our stuff together. 
You guys have had experiences before where sometimes it feels like you're taking one step forward and two steps back. But Paul isn't talking about emotional weakness. Paul isn't talking about intellectual weakness. He's not talking about the fact that as we get older, our memories uh, begin to fade a little bit. Have you had this experience before? I have. If I were to pull out my, my phone and look at my camera roll and show you the pictures that I have, you would see a number of pictures of my family. You would see a few pictures of me on vacation. And then you would see a handful of random pictures that simply read A29, B17. You'll see a picture inside an elevator that says elephant floor. Because when I go to an event, when I park my car in the airport, oftentimes I take a shot of where I parked. Because if I step away for two hours or two days, in all likelihood, I will never find my car again. Right? I don't want to be the guy walking through the parking lot hitting my horn. I want to know where it is. My, my memory, my mind isn't quite as sharp as it once was. But Paul's not talking about intellectual weakness. He's not talking about physical weakness or emotional weakness. He is talking about spiritual weakness. He's reminding the church that we don't come to God with a spiritual resume of all the things that we do well. Uh, we come to him in our need. We don't toot our own horns. We don't show off all that we've done in his name. Uh, we come to him desperate. We come to him in weakness. And we've had this experience before, right? We, we know if we were being honest with ourselves, we are not all that strong. A number of years ago, there was a Peanuts cartoon uh, when Lucy approaches a rather glum-looking Charlie Brown. He has worry all over his face, and she says to him, Charlie, what are you worried about? And Charlie responds to Lucy and says, I feel inferior. Oh, says Lucy, you shouldn't worry about that. Lots of people have that feeling. Charlie replied, what, that they're inferior? And Lucy replied, no, that you're inferior. <laughs> we, all of us, are, are weak. And we know it, and likely those closest to us know it as well. Paul doesn't stop there with the bad news. He kind of doubles down. Did you notice it in Romans chapter 5, verse 6? He says, For while we were still weak at the right time, uh, Christ died for the ungodly. The Bible calls us names. The Bible says that we're weak. The Bible says that apart from Jesus, we are, we are ungodly. Right? We, we follow our own desires, our own longings. We don't naturally have a bent uh, toward God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We may not like to talk about this. We may not appreciate the label. Uh, but most of us would admit that if our very worst moment in life uh, was caught on camera uh, for the world to see, it might make us blush. Many of us might admit that if that were the case, if our, if our worst moment with our kids or with our spouse or in our teenage years or away at college 
or at a rough time in life, most of us would admit that if other people know what we know, uh, we might not want to leave uh, the house. Paul describes humanity as weak and, and ungodly, uh, and that's bad news. Right? But we are here today not simply to share bad news, uh, but to celebrate the good news. Because God's word to us gives us great news, spectacular news. I don't know if you caught it. Paul wrote, wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, uh, Christ died for us. That is, that is good news. That's great news that Christ died for the ungodly, that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were at our very worst, uh, God gave to us his very best. If you were to study this verse here, it it has the idea of while we were in the act of sinning, like while we were at our worst, caught in the act, God gave to us Jesus. Uh, at home, we have a 10-year-old Jack Russell Terrier. In addition to giving away beagles today, we, I also want to offer up a 10-year-old Jack Russell Terrier. Jack uh, has a bad habit. Oftentimes, if the pantry door is open, Jack will sneak in the pantry, put his little paws up on our trash can, and begin to look around and explore what he can snack on. The other day, Melissa was upstairs and she heard some commotion coming from the pantry downstairs. And so she immediately connected the dots. And I heard her shout from the top of the stairs, Jack! Jack, get out of there, Jack. And so I slowly walked out of the pantry <laughs> with my hands up in the air. She caught me in the act. It was me all along. The Bible paints a picture that, that while we were in the act, while we were running from God and wanted nothing to do with God, uh, God sent us Jesus. He sent us uh, his very best. That is, that is good news uh, for you and for me. This morning I said that I wanted to share with you some bad news, some good news, and some breaking news. Uh, the breaking news is the result of the work of Jesus on our behalf. Uh, Paul talks about it in verse 9. He says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him uh, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Because Jesus took our punishment because he paid uh, for our sin. Uh, we have been justified before God. Uh, we've been saved by God. And we've been reconciled with God. We've been justified 
uh, before God. A justified is a significant theological word. Uh, it is a word that simply means to be declared righteous. Imagine standing before a holy and a righteous and a good judge. Uh, you've rebelled or sinned, and, and because of what the judge declares to you, uh, what he says is now true about you. God, through Christ and through faith in Christ, declares that we are justified before God. There is a story that is told of a man in England uh, who many years ago put his Rolls Royce on a boat and went across the continent uh, to go on a holiday. While he was driving around Europe, uh, something happened to the motor of his car. And so he cabled the Rolls Royce people back in England and asked, hey, I'm having trouble with my car. What do you suggest that I do? Well, the Rolls-Royce people flew a mechanic over to where he was in Europe. The mechanic fixed the car and then flew back to England. You can imagine when the man returned home from his holiday, he was thinking to himself, I only can imagine how much this is going to set me back. I only can imagine how much this is going to cost me. And so when he got back to England, he wrote a letter to the people uh, at the Rolls-Royce uh, company and asked how much he owed them. And he received a letter uh, from the office that read this. Dear sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls-Royce. When God declares uh, his, his sons and his daughters righteous, it's as if he writes to us and says, Dear sir or dear ma'am, there is no record anywhere in my files that anything went wrong. As the old hymn is sung, because the sinless Savior died, my soul, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. A good news, we in Jesus are justified before God. We're saved by God. It says in verse 9, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. God the Father rescued us. He rescued you and me uh, through the work of his Son. And because of his work, uh, we are saved. How does it happen? It happens uh, through the shed blood of Jesus. It happens because he paid the penalty that we rightfully uh, deserved. Uh, theologians say that we've been saved from the penalty of sin. Uh, we are being saved from the power of sin, and we will be saved from the presence of sin. I don't know about you, but more and more, I long to have that experience. I want sin once and for all to be gone from my life and from a fallen and a broken world. A couple days ago on our Good Friday service, I showed up early 
with a couple of my kids. Uh, I walked into the barn right over my shoulder there, and I looked up at the worship team as they practiced, and I noticed that there wasn't anything on the screen, uh, which, is, which is a problem uh, because our worship computer has our worship slides and our sermon slides and our music. And as I was looking up at the screen, it occurred to me that the worship computer that I typically bring was on my dining room table, which is a problem. And so I looked at my watch, and I, and I noticed that in about 30 minutes, I was to gather with a small group of people to pray. I quickly did the math in my head and realized it took me 17 minutes to get home to my house. It was going to take me about three seconds to get in my house and grab the computer and turn around and drive 17 minutes back here and deliver said worship computer. I made, I made a business decision in that moment. I decided that the recommended suggested speed limit was going to be just that. I thought in that moment, it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is permission. And so I made a right-hand turn on Ridge Road right over there, bound to determine uh, to go as fast as my little 2010 Ultima would take me. Except for the fact uh, that there was a man in a truck in front of me who I am convinced was literally the slowest driver in the world. And I was behind him. And I thought to myself, James, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not a big deal. He is going to turn left or right any moment now. I'll scurry on home, get what I need, and I'll come back. I'll just be a couple minutes late. Wouldn't you know it that that man happened to be going the exact same direction as I was? I followed him nearly all of the way home. I looked at his license plate because I was thinking about calling someone. I don't remember what his license plate read, but in my mind, it was something like S-L-O-R-I-D-E-R. -E I don't think it was a stage name. I think he was a slow rider. So I made a conscious decision in that moment. I don't always do this, but I just thought to myself, James, instead of uh, just being wrought with worry or anxiety or be stressed out, why don't, why don't you actually pray? And so I did that. I prayed that the Lord would remove that individual from that vehicle in front of me. But then I, then I started to pray. I mean, really pray. And I started to, to realize that in that moment, I was anxious and I was frustrated and I was angry. And I, and I started to think about how many times in my life I actually feel that way. And I started to think about how many times that impacts my, my relationships or my friendships. And I started kind of just doing inventory of my own heart in that moment. And I, and I told the elders when I got back and we prayed, I said, I, I just had this deep longing over the course of the last 30 minutes that like, I, I long for the day when... Um, when my heart will not be marred by sin any longer. Like when this work that God began in me, and quite honestly in you, will be completed. Uh, we, are, we are saved 
by Jesus, by God. We are justified before God and we are reconciled with God. Verse 10 says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation has its roots in a word that means uh, to change or exchange. It involves a change in a relationship uh, between God and humanity. Earlier, Paul described humanity as weak and ungodly and sinner, uh, uh, sinners, and, and we had been estranged from our relationship with God. Something came in between us. Something separated us between God. Uh, if you've ever had an argument or, or a fight with someone you loved before, maybe a spouse, and you have that awkward moment where you're waiting to see like who moves first, right? you, f- you feel like a cowboy, like, like in the city streets, you're lying, people are watching, and you have like your holster and your gun, and you're just waiting uh, to see who's going to make the first move. Like who's going to apologize first? Who's going to move toward the other person? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that God moved toward us. We did not move toward God. God moved toward us, and we have been reconciled with God. Our relationship with God uh, does not begin uh, because we get our spiritual act together. Our relationship with God wasn't, wasn't restored because we served our time and we were rehabilitated Our relationship with God wasn't restored because of some commitment we made to try harder uh, to keep it all together. Our relationship with God was restored by Jesus through his perfect life and death and his resurrection. We are saved by his life. We do not work our way uh, to God. Easter is not a celebration of all that we can accomplish for God. Easter is a celebration of what God, through Christ, has accomplished for us. I love the illustration that Pastor Alistair Begg uh, uses to drive home uh, this idea. He tells a story about the thief on the cross. I don't know if you know Alistair Begg, but uh, he's, he's, he's been around for a while. He has a Scottish accent, which is totally unfair because he can literally read the phone book and people are like, oh, that's so good. Tell me more. He tells the story about a familiar story uh, from the gospel accounts of uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. And he tells the story of uh, the thief that flanked Jesus that day. Remember, there are two criminals on either side of Jesus. One in his last moments on earth uh, threw insults at Jesus and mocked him. And the other thief on the cross uh, looked to Jesus and simply said to him, remember me. Alistair Begg says, I can hardly wait to find that guy and ask him how that all shook out. Like, like how did that uh, actually happen? Alistair Begg says he had no church membership, there was no baptism, there was no Bible study, and yet he made it. Like, he made it. And so he paints this picture of an angel coming to this criminal on the cross who had died and gone to heaven. And the angel looks at the man and says to him, what are you doing here? (laughs) Like, how did you get here? And the man simply replies, I don't know. And the angel said, 
what do you mean you don't know? And the man says, because I don't know. And the angel said, well, let me get my supervisor. And so the angel goes to get a supervisor, and the supervisor comes back, and he says, sir, I just have a few questions for you. Tell me about the doctrine of justification by faith. And the man says, I've never heard of it. The supervisor said, well, well, well let's just get to the, to the doctrine of Scripture then. And the man says, huh? And in frustration, the supervisor says, well, on what basis are you here? And the man simply looked at the supervisor and said this, uh, the man on the center cross said I could come. The man on the center cross said I could come. In faith, we look to Jesus and we simply say to him, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus says to us, you can come. You can come. If you're here this morning and you've never looked to Jesus before, if you've never been gripped by your own sin or your own inability to keep it all together, and you're here this morning and quite honestly, you're, you're desperate. You, you've come to the end of yourself. I want to encourage you uh, to look to Jesus, to his finished work on the cross and place your faith and your trust in him. Uh, when you do, when we do, we are justified before God, we are saved uh, by God, and we are reconciled with God. May today uh, be that day for you. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for uh, the good and the perfect work of your son Jesus on our behalf. Uh, thank you that because of Jesus, uh, we have hope uh, and we have life. Thank you that Jesus defeated the grave uh, and he has offered that life uh, to those who put their faith and trust in his finished work. God, if there are folks here this morning that do not have a relationship with you, I pray uh, by the power of your spirit that you would draw them to yourself. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, one, of the, one of the great cool things that we get to do as a church is uh, celebrate stories of life change, uh, celebrate stories of the good work that God has done in the hearts and lives of his people. And we do that through baptism. A baptism is an external display of an inward reality. Uh, we as sinners, hey bud, how are you doing? How, do you have anything to drink? I am thirsty like crazy. No? I'll catch up with you later. That's okay. A baptism is this beautiful display where we get to celebrate the good work that God has done in our hearts and in our lives. And so this morning, we get to celebrate that uh, together as a people. And so I want to invite at this time to come forward uh, Finley and Ty and Gavin and Amelia and Mike, uh, and they're going to share their stories with you. I'm going to pray for them. Uh, we're going to sing and rejoice together, and then they're going to get baptized this morning. Finley, how are you doing? You're first, and you were the first one up here. Not that it's a race, but you won. 
you get a you get a donut at the end. Sorry, Mike, you're you're old and slow. Uh, Finley uh, asked if I would uh, read her story for her, and so I want to uh, read her story, and uh, and then we're going to uh, share our stories. And I'm going to pray for all of them. Uh, Finley uh, wrote, "I feel like uh, I have always had Jesus in my heart, and I don't remember Him not being there. I've had lots of people in my life teach me about who He, uh, who He is like, uh, or who He is like my mom and my dad and Miss Jody, Pastor James. I know I can trust Him, and I know that He is real." I chose to be baptized today because I want to show everyone uh, that I've given my life uh, to him. Finley, I'm so grateful for the good work uh, that God has started in your life and in your heart, and I'm excited to see uh, what he does in the days ahead. You are welcome. I'm going to step on the other side of you. Amelia, you're out of order, <laughs> but go ahead. That's okay. You're my daughter. You can do whatever you want. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Do you want to read or do you want me to read? No, you want to think about it? You're going to think about it. I'm going to go to Ty. Um, without God in my life, I wouldn't have his solution. I was without hope, and I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God. God's solution is his presence. He was just, he put Jesus on the cross for me, and uh, I'm no longer alone. I want to be baptized to show that I, I'm putting my faith in God and fully trusting him with my life. Yeah, I love that, Ty. Ty, um, I, I was able to, to spend some time with Ty recently, and it was just cool to hear about the good work that God has started in your life. And I'm excited to see uh, what he does in and through you in the, in the days ahead. Gavin, I'm going to hold the mic for you. All right. On an ordinary day when I was about 10 years old in an outdoor mall eating with my mom, I started asking some spiritual questions. Even though I had been going to church since I was born, I was too young till this time to understand being a follower of Jesus and accepting his way to salvation. My mom led me in prayer in which I accepted Jesus in my heart and decided to follow him. I believe that my purpose is found through Jesus and the way of salvation comes through him. Now, being the young man that I am today, I have stayed devoted to follow God's plan and to become the person he wants me to be. I truly, I truly believe that I'm not alone in this journey. I thank God for using the people around me, like my family in this church, for allowing me to express my faith and finding what God put me here to do. As life goes on, I pray that I'll continue to put my trust in Jesus as the biggest chapters of my life come my way, like going to college and finding a job. Knowing that these things on earth are soon to pass away, I want my main focus in life to be on the eternal things, like leading others to Jesus. I do believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, and the price that he paid on the cross has changed my life, and it can change your life too. I know that we are all sinners and that the world we are in is not perfect, but he can forgive us and we can learn to, to look forward and living in a perfect eternity with him. Today, in obedience, I want to publicly 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 profess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Isn't that cool? Gavin, it's been, uh, it's been so cool over the many years that I've known you to see how God has grown faith in your heart, and uh, I'm honored to be able to celebrate this, this day with you. Amelia, would you like me to read your story, sweetie? Or would you like to do it? You got, you got it? I'm not perfect. I know I'm a sinner. Sin is when we do something wrong against God. 
God doesn't have any sin because he is perfect, but I do have sin. God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried and rose again. I want to be baptized because I want people to know I'm trusting in Jesus and what he has done for me. Yeah, thanks, sweetie. Amelia, I, uh, I love you, and it has been my great joy to be able to see how God has been working in your heart and in your life over these, these years. And I'm excited to see um, how he uses you uh, in the days ahead. Love you, sweetie. Well, you're a familiar face. Oh, hey. <laughs> I'm the caboose. Um, my name is Michael Metzger. I was raised in a Christian home and knew the Lord at a young age. Uh, my mother and father uh, had me read and study the Bible and were great examples to follow. I accepted God as my Savior and understood the ultimate sacrifice he did, sending his son Jesus to die for our sins at a young age. During high school, I would start to travel down paths that were dark and less traveled. At times, I would try to run to the end of the path, but later realizing it was going nowhere. When I enlisted in the military, I thought I was untouchable and at the time believed everything was great. Later realized that many of those moments were for nothing. Although I was never alone, everything I did or had at the time meant nothing. I thought I was on top of a mountain and the next day I was trying to stay above water. Running away never worked and never filled my heart with true happiness. The past year has taught me more than many years before. There's no reason to run away, but only to run to. No matter how distant you are, you're not. True happiness is in loving God, giving your time to God, following his commands and word. He builds you stronger each day. He teaches you like no one else can. He fixed what was broken and made me complete again. It took me a long time to understand what I was missing in life, and I will not run away. I will run too. My life is in his hands and will always, and will always, and his will will always be done. I am nothing without him and everything with him. I'm so excited to see that and continue to learn and grow each day. I have no wants and paths to run down. The only path I want to travel is next to my Lord and Savior. He has surrounded me with great friends, positive influences, people that teach and talk about his words, and people like me. Not perfect, but forgiven. I'm ready for what God has in store for me and excited to continue my journey in life until I'm called home. Mike, it's been uh, my, my great joy to see the good work that God has done and is doing in your heart uh, and in your life. And I've been honored to be able to, to walk with you, not just this, this past year, uh, but to grow up with you too. You were a good big brother. Are we wrestling now? No. no. Uh, we, I am going to pray though. I am going to pray. Uh, God, thanks so much for uh, the good work that you have done in the hearts and lives of, uh, of these folks. Lord, thank you so much for, for Mike and for Ty and for... Gavin, for Amelia, for Finley. Uh, Lord, thank you that you've opened their eyes to help them to see the beauty of your son. Uh, today we celebrate the life that is, uh, that is theirs and the life that is found in Jesus. Uh, God, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.